0: Hi, and welcome to the It Is Thought Podcast. This is episode 546 for the second of Sivan in a regular year. So for the past couple of episodes, we've been discussing this idea of the Shekhinah, the divine indwelling, and what this means in terms of God's presence in the world. And we went on pretty much a whole long journey discussing this idea of the seeming paradox of how it is that while On the one hand, we say that God is everywhere and in everything, and there is no place devoid of God. There are some places that we say that God is a little bit more revealed, is a little bit more manifest and less hidden. And we discussed how this could be by really mapping out the whole outline of how the Shekhinah descends down here into our world, and then we talked about this very... Interesting blip in the system, and this was in yesterday's episode, so you can go back and listen to that if you haven't already, of how usually there's a normal chain of events of this descent of the Shekhinah from rung to rung throughout the levels of creation, becoming progressively more concealed, progressively more hidden and obscure however there was one exception to this rule and the exception to this rule was found in the original tablets that contained on them the 10 commandments that we received on mount sinai that were housed in the holy ark in the first temple in the whole in the holy of holies of the first temple and so the exception to this rule was the sense that this even though these, the interesting thing was that even though these tablets were physical objects made of stone, and so you would think that they should follow by natural course, the natural order of creation in terms of their manifestation of godliness in uh, in descending from rung to rung. By virtue of the fact that these tablets were not ordinary physical objects, but they were actually called maaseh elokim, they were made by the hand of God himself, and they contained within them the entire essence. The Ten Commandments contain the entire essence of the entire Torah, which what is the entire Torah? The entire Torah is God's will and wisdom, which stems from a higher place than the Shekhinah itself, as we described, then thus, these commandments, these these tablets were able to manifest within them a level of the Shekhinah that surpassed all of those levels. So it was sort of like they were able to skip through all those levels of chain reaction throughout all the worlds and have a direct connection and a direct manifestation of the Shekhinah itself here in this world. So that's like a really brief overview. And again, if you want more of a detailed in-depth technical breakdown of all that please go back and listen to the last few episodes uh but that's the basic idea so this was one of the explanations as to why the first temple contained within it so many miraculous aspects that are really hard for us to imagine nowadays because it's not anything that is related to our reality today but like for example one of the miracles in the first temple was this idea of how the ark itself that contains these ten commandments didn't take up any space so what what that means is that basically the Ark was contained within the Holy of Holies as we know and the Ark was two and a half cubits in length and it was right in the center of that room right in the center of the wall and so and then on either side of that of the Ark if you were to measure from the Ark to the wall next to it it was ten cubits on one side and then ten cubits on the other side, so if you add that up, that should be ten cubits plus ten cubits plus two point five cubits, so it should be twenty two point five cubits right but then the interesting thing was that if you actually just like measured the length of the wall itself like in a part where the arc was not there, or like just like you know without taking the arc into consideration then it actually only measured 20 cubits. So what that basically means and what it demonstrates is that while the Ark did have dimensions, it actually didn't take up any physical space. So this is just one of many examples of the miracles that happened in the original temple in Jerusalem, the first temple. So this was a really amazing thing, as you can imagine. People flocked to this temple from all over the world in recognition of the fact that there was something really special about it, and truly there was. This was a place which manifested God and godliness, and as we know it, the Shekhinah, in a way that nothing else did. However, alas, as we all know, that this temple was destroyed, and we no longer have it. Since then, there was a second temple, which was not nearly as miraculous as the first one, and now we have no temple at all so the question becomes and this is the title that i gave to today's episode is where did the shekhinah go where has divinity gone so if we know that there was this flip in the system at that one time that brought down god's will and wisdom into the world in a more manifest way do we still have that is that still present in our world today so as we'll learn yes indeed we do it may not be in the same, on the same level of miraculousness of this blip in the system type of way, but nevertheless, we'll still find that the Shekhinah is manifest in certain areas of our life more so than in others. So I'd like to get straight into the text to see how the Altar Rebbe explains all of this. And you'll see that at first he begins with the retelling of where the Shekhinah resided during the times of the second temple. Which is what we had after the destruction of the first temple, and then where the Shekhinah resides now, when we no longer have that, when we don't even have the second temple any longer, and the second temple was destroyed. So here we go. So. Again, for context, we are in the middle of chapter 53 of Likutea Marim. This is the last chapter of Likutea Marim. Very exciting. And then we're going to move on to other sections in the Tanya. So the altar of begins, and he describes how it was that in the time of the second temple, there was no ark. There was no tablets. They they weren't present there anymore. And thus the sages taught that the Shekhinah didn't dwell there. And now the altar is going to explain what this means. He's, he says... What that means isn't that the shekhinah wasn't there it means that the shekhinah wasn't there on the level that it was in the time of the first temple which at the time of the first temple the shekhinah was there in this like very miraculous way that it surpassed the natural order of creation it surpassed all the natural order of the seder this the natural progression that it should go through that we learned about in previous episodes that level, the Shekhinah, surpassing these levels did not exist in the time of the second temple, in the second temple. However, the ultra teaches, it did, it, it was there, like the Shekhinah was there. It was just there in a more natural way. It it did go through that ma- natural progression. So if you remember the natural progression, just a brief overview of that, is that the way that the Shekhinah naturally descends from world to world is that it begins in... Malchus of Atzilas—that's like its origin point—and from there it goes into the Chabad or the Heichal Kodesh HaKadoshim of Bria, and then from there it goes from t- into the Malchus of Bria, and then from the Malchus of Bria, it goes into the Heichal Kodesh HaKadoshim, otherwise known as the Chabad of Yitzira, and then from the Chabad of Yitzira, or the Heichal Kodesh Kadoshim it goes into the Malchus of Yitzira, and then from the Malchus of Yitzira, it goes into the Heichal Kodesh HaKadoshim, otherwise known as the Chabad of Asiya. And so now, this is where the altar brings us up to at this point. So so now the Heichal Kodesh HaKadoshim of, of asia the Chamber of, Holy, of Holies of asia then from there it became clothed in the actual physical Kodesh HaKadoshim, the actual physical Holy of Holies that was found in the temple down here below, in that se- second temple. And that's where the Shekhinah resided. So if you follow that logic, that means that the Kodesh HaKadoshim of asia is originating from Malchus of Yetzirah, which is the world right above it. And so this is why, this. so the bottom line of all this, just to make simplify things, is that in the time of the second temple, while the Shekhinah wasn't there in that same miraculous, like jumping through worlds kind of way that it was found in the first temple, however, it still was there. And where was it? It was in that Kodesh Kodashim, in the Holy of Holies in the temple. So it was still very much there, even though the way of descent and the way it got there was in a more natural, progressive kind of way. But since it was still there, this is why nobody was allowed to go into there, except for the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, because it was really a very a place that really manifested godliness in a way that nothing else on earth did. And now, the Altarist says, there's this teaching that's taught in the Gemara and Brachos page 8a, which says, So what that means is that now that we no longer have, we don't have the first temple, and we don't even have the second temple anymore. So where is left for God to reside? Where is left is Halacha, is the four cubits of Halacha. And then the Gemara goes on and the Gemara explains that even one person who sits and learns Torah, the Shekhinah is with him, where it says Shekhinah Imo. So again, the Shekhinah, this is this idea of the Shekhinah. So that same Shekhinah that resided within the tablets in the first Besamekdash, and it resided in the Holy of Holies in the second and which we've been describing descends from level to level to level throughout the worlds to vivify those worlds and really is that source of vivification of all of the worlds where is it found now it's found in us learning torah by way of the descent of like we learned of having the shirinah being vested within the malchus of atzillus and then eventually into the Malchus of Bria, and then eventually into the Malchus of Yitzira, and eventually Malchus of Asiya, as we described. So, it's so this whole chain of events, of chain reaction of the Shekhinah's descent, culminates in Halacha, in us, in the in God's Halacha down here. So there's a really subtle point that the ultrava is making here, that uh, it, he, in which he's pointing out the inferiority of our connection with the Shekhinah, even in relation to how it how it was manifest in the second temple so if you recall just before I was mentioning about how in the second temple the Shekhinah resided in the holy of holies in the Kodesh kodoshim. and that Shekhinah where did it come from since again that wording the holy of holies it's like the next level up from there was Malchus of Yetzirah so, meaning to say that the Shekhinah that was found, that was manifest in the Second Temple in the Holy of Holies, was a Shekhinah which was radiating from Malchus of Yetzirah, which is a world above Asiyah. However, here in our right now, like when we don't have the Second Temple anymore, then the Shekhinah actually needs to descend one level further in order to relate to us. It needs to go not only into the Malchus of Yetzirah, but it needs to transcend further into the Malchus of Asiya. So why is that, explains the the Alter Rebbe. He says that it's because Asiya is the world of action. And if we look at the actual mitzvahs, which is where the Shekhinah is found, the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah, almost all of them, if not pretty much all of them, are all physical things they're all physical mitzvahs and and even those things which have to do with speech or thinking so like somebody might say like well learning torah or saying the grace after meals or saying shema or prayer or those kind of things like that doesn't seem like to be such a physical kind of thing to do you know it's more like a, of an emotional kind of like contemplative connection that we have with god however it is taught that if somebody just like, and we've learned about this previously, if somebody just like thinks the words and doesn't say them out loud, whether you are learning or whether you're praying, then you're not, you'd say like, you're not, you say like you are not you do not fulfill your obligation. So in order to have your prayer be like for, for to count, so to speak, or for your speaking to count, you need to speak it. You need to say it. Um, even if you have the best kavana in the world, even if you have the best intention while you're praying or while you're learning, you need to actually speak the words out loud to make it real. And moreover, teaches the ultra-rebbe, he says that even somebody who's just like moving their lips, like, you know, like a person speaking, it might seem like, oh, it's not much of an action. This is considered an action. And so now the ultra-rebbe is going to conclude and discuss why it is specifically the halacha. Why not like other aspects of Torah? Like, why do we really focus on halacha as being where the Shekhinah resides. So the Altarpist says that the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah, together with the seven mitzvahs of the rabbinical mitzvahs, which come out to the gematria of Keter, because it's uh, 620 in total, and the gematria, the numerical value of the word Keter, which means a crown, is also 620. So just to break that down for you guys, so the word Keter in Hebrew is spelled Kuf, Taf, Resh. So kuf is twenty in Gematria, Taf is four hundred, and Resh is two hundred. So twenty plus four hundred plus two hundred is six hundred and twenty, and six hundred and twenty is the number of total commandments. When we count the six hundred and thirteen Torah commandments, the biblical commandments, plus the seven rabbinical commandments, it comes out to six hundred and twenty. Okay. So what's the relevance? What What do we when we say crown Keter? What does this mean on a deeper spiritual level? So, we know that the level of, of Keter in Kabbalah, in mysticism, when we talk about like the different spheros, we usually start with the sphere of Chokmah, if you've noticed. That's like the first one. But there's actually a sphere that comes above that. And that sphere is called Keter. And that sphere relates to the aspect of will. So, this Keter, this crown is God's will. And if you think about that, that's like the crown, where does the crown sit? The crown sits above a person's head. So it's like above even their like intellect. It's like what they want, what they really want. And then this will does then get vested within God's Chokhmah, within His Supernal Chokhmah, which we know, as we've been describing several times already in the Tanya, God's wisdom is unified with Him with utmost unity, and we know that God actually created the world with with His wisdom. So it says in Mishlei chapter three verse nineteen, which the Alter Rebbe cites here, <speaking in Hebrew> that Hashem founded the earth with His wisdom. So what is God's Wisdom, this is the Oral Torah, which comes from the Supernal Chochmah, the Supernal Wisdom. As is spoken about in the Zohar, where it says "De which the father, literally means in Aramaic, the father begat the daughter. So meaning to say that the father, which is Chokhmah, begat the daughter, which is Malchus. Malchus is feminine, and that's a reference to the oral Torah. So that's the end of the section for today. And I know this is a lot, and I know it's like building lots of ideas upon ideas, but hopefully you're following along and it's, pretty straightforward logic if you do follow along from episode to episode but just to really 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 simplify it basically like the bottom line that if we wanted to just kind of get the bottom line here is that what we learned about in today's section is that the Shekhinah the Shekhinah is that divine indwelling that God how God is really manifest throughout the world in a way, and what we mean by that is that it's not just that he's present because he's present everywhere and there is no place that's devoid of God, but that where godliness is more revealed, the illumination is more intense. It's more perceptible to the observers, to the receivers, meaning to us. And we talked about three different eras in which the Shekhinah became revealed down here in this world and manifest in this world. The first era was the era of the first base of Magdesh, And that's when the shekhinah was revealed in the greatest way and it was revealed specifically within the tablets which were found in the ark of the holy of holies and in this first era of the first base of we talked about how the shekhinah was really revealed in such an intense way that it actually didn't even go through the order normal chain of events that it needs to get through to be uh, of concealment and contraction and all of that to get into our world, but it surpassed all of that. So it was like a direct, the, the tablets were a direct manifestation of Hashem Shekhinah on high in the Malchus Vatzilis, which was its source, which is really incredible to think about. And this is why they had such a miraculous nature about them. The letters like floated and there was just something very miraculous about that whole thing. Then we talked about the second era, which was the second base of and we talked about how the Shekhinah was still very much present there and specifically in the Holy of Holies. However, it wasn't on the same level of presence or on the same level of illumination or revelation as it was in the first base of for rather in the second base of it did go through this natural chain of events and progression from level to level to level. But then if we wanted to pinpoint, okay, so what level were we experiencing the Shekhinah on at that time in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, then we described that the level that we were experiencing it at was from directly from Malchus of Yetzirah, because Yetzirah is the level that's right above Asiya, which is our world. And since it was here in the physical Kodesh HaKadoshim of Asiya, of in our world, that was getting its like manifestation from like the w- how it was being vested in our world was directly from the world above it in the the uh the world the malchus of yetzira and then we talked about the third era which is the era that we're living in today in which we don't have any basic we don't have the first one and we don't have the second one and we talked about how the Shekhinah is still present here today and where is it present it's present within halacha within jewish law which sounds really kind of like maybe like kind of like a anticlimactic kind of thing, but it's really not, because what is Jewish law, law ultimately? It's the will of God, and that will of God is really ultimately the source of the Shrina and where it comes from. However, the way we experience the Shrina down here is still one level lower even than that level that we experienced it in the time of the second Basel Megdash, where it was receiving its like illumination from the Malchus of Yetzirah. So here we're one step more removed. We are receiving our, the Shekhinah down here in, in an illuminated form, not from the Malchus of Yetzirah, but actually one step below that, where it goes from the Malchus of Yetzirah into the level of the Kodesh HaKodoshim of Asiya and then into the level of the Malchus of Asiya. So the Shekhinah that we're receiving down here is from that level of Malchus of Asiya. So it's, it's one step below, it's one step lower. And that is very much related to the fact that all of the commandments that we do are very physical in nature even if we're talking about those commandments that seem to be a little bit more meditative and seem to be more related to like the heart and the mind when we're talking about prayer or learning and things like that the altar rep says even those two are still physical because it's like when you pray or when you learn torah you really in order to fulfill your obligation you need to do it through your physical mouth through physically speaking the words out loud so that's it for today. And tomorrow, very exciting, we're going to actually learn the final section of Likutea So it's going to be a seum. It's going to be the end of the first section of the Tanya. Very, very cool. So stay tuned for that and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sri Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana.